Revelation chapter 22, look at verse 7. Behold, I come what? Quickly. Quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings and prophecies of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. By the way, we're not supposed to worship angels. We're not supposed to worship saints. We're not supposed to bow down to images. We worship God only. Verse 10, And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Here's the second time, verse 12. And behold, I come what? Quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according uh, as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they have uh, right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth uh, and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have set mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that a thirst come, and whosoever will, and whosoever will, and whosoever will, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the words of this book, of, his, of this prophecy shall God take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. God does not mess around with his word. Amen. Amen. Verse 20, which, uh, he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Let's read verse 20 together. Ready, begin. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. For the next uh, two Sunday nights, I mentioned before that Pastor Delzell Sr., my dad, who's spent much time in Revelation, is going to preach the next two Sunday nights. I'm looking forward to that as he covers what's going on in heaven during, we've covered a lot of what happens on the earth. He's going to talk about what happens in heaven. I'm looking forward to those messages. Don't miss them. But tonight, I want to preach my final message in this series, What is to Come. Really, it's a challenge or a charge, if you will. And I'm going to focus on these phrases, Behold, I come quickly. As God ends his contract with John the Revelator, who is transcribing the things that he has seen he ends with solemn warnings. He tells John to write for us and for anyone who reads the book of Revelation the truth about what is to come. We are given a revelation about what is going to happen on earth. And so tonight, my message really to you is we have a responsibility to the revelation. We have a responsibility to this revelation. Now that we know what's going to happen now that we know the signs of the times, we know we, we understand the doctrine of the rapture, we understand these things, 
We have a responsibility to that. Jesus says three times in this chapter, the final chapter of the Bible, Behold, I come quickly. I'm coming back. I'm coming back, and I'm coming back quickly. So be ready for my return. So Christ makes it a point to remind us that. And so tonight my message is a final warning. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us, God, to live every day, every day in light of your return. Tonight, Lord, as we wrap up this Sunday, uh, Lord, another wonderful day. Thank you, Lord, for safety here on the property. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful building that you provided on this land that you provided. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful people. I pray, God, that all of us tonight, Lord, that you speak to our hearts through your word. May we not miss anything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Three warnings, three warnings tonight. If you're taking notes, I want to give you number one. The first warning is this, a warning to live for his return. A warning to live for his return. Revelation chapter number 22, verse 7, he says, Behold, I come quickly. And then he goes on and he says, Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy in this book. God gave us a Bible and he expects us to live according to his word. He gave us God. God gave us his word. He gave us instruction. He gave us revelation. He gave us what we're supposed to do. And he gives it to us, not so that it can sit on the shelf and collect dust or so that we can argue about it and fight over it. He gives us his word so that we can obey it and live in the light of his return. John saw these things. He heard these things. Verse eight and and what he had heard and he see what he saw, it caused John to fall down and to worship even though he chose to worship the angel and was corrected very quickly, we see that the angel says to him, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. In other words, it's coming quickly. Tonight, I want to remind us all, letter A, that his return is sooner than you think. His return is sooner than you think. For so many of us growing up in, uh, uh, growing up, don't you, when you're growing up, you get impatient, right? You're in first grade, and what do you want to be in? Second grade. And then you can't wait for the third grade. And then all of a sudden, you start wishing for, 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 uh, for uh, junior high. And my kids are all about that age now. They're, you know, my, my, one of my sons is in the teenager age, and one of my sons is 12, and, and they're in those age. They want, they want what's next. They're, they're, they're thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next. Driver's license and girlfriends and, and cell phones. And, and my son Callum, he said, I want to be a pastor and a police officer. I said, that would be a cool combo. Wear your gun to the pulpit. Bless God. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, you know, and they want to be when they want to grow up. They want to have, you know, they want to experience life. They want to get their driver's license. They want to, they, they're impatient. And how many of you adults, you know, you, you, all of a sudden you're, you're walking across that platform getting your diploma. How many of you high schoolers that graduated recently, it goes like that, doesn't it? You're walking across that platform and they give you your diploma and you look back and you think, what happened to my school years? It's gone. And then you go to college. You can't wait for college. Can't wait for it. You go to college and your parents drop you off and, and you cry for the first night because you miss them. And, and you, know, you learn how to do laundry. You just can't wait. You can't wait. Then you start dating someone or courting or whatever it is you do. And you can't wait to get married. And you can't wait to have kids. And you can't wait to buy that first house. And then you get a little bit older and you look back at your life. thought That went way too fast. Just like that. Have you ever talked to someone in their 70s or 80s? 
and you said to them, you're just talking to them, has, any, has anybody in their 80s ever told you, just take life as fast as you can because it goes so slow? <laughs> life is just so slow. It takes forever to, to get to this point. Does anybody ever say that? No. What do they always say? Take the time because life goes just like that. You see, we spend our lives wanting that next thing, and we can't wait for that next thing, and, and we just can't. But, but it comes sooner than you think. It's right there. May I say that that's going to be the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, tonight, we pine for his return. For those of you that don't know what pine means, it means we are looking for that. We're wanting that. And we think, what is it going to be like in heaven? What's it going to be like on those streets of gold? What are the mansions going to look like? What is heaven going to look like? And we, 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 we want these things and we look forward to these things. And may I just say, it's coming sooner than you think. Pretty soon we'll be in eternity together. Let's not be so impatient. Amen. I mean, we're looking for the Lord Jesus, no doubt. But I'm saying it's going to be here sooner than we think. Behold, I come quickly. The time is at hand. And we spend so much of our time planning everything on earth, planning for our future here on earth, building our wealth here on earth, settling up a nest egg here on earth. And before we know it, before we even realize it, we're going to be in eternity. Sure, we invest, and I understand all of these things, and I, I believe it's you know, wise. The Bible talks about investing and leaving things for the, your kids. That's all biblical principles. You're not supposed to waste. You're supposed to invest and all these things. There's, there's biblical principles on that. But listen, I just want to be honest tonight. After you die, you're not taking anything with you. That doesn't mean we're foolish and we live. You, know, you understand what I'm saying. How many of you know the name of your great-great-grandfather? One. Two, three, four, five, maybe 10 people in here. Most people, after three or four generations, they don't know who their grandparents were. You might have them on, uh, what's that thing called? Ancestry.com, you might know them that way. Or, but, but you didn't know them. Everything they did, what they did for a living, it's gone. Their leg unless they were like Michael Jordan or something, their legacy's gone. What I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be bleak tonight. That's not the point. The point is this. Our lives are like this. It's but a vapor. And behold, I come quickly. And then eternity starts. And while our vapor sometimes like that little kid, we're like, man, this seems like it's taking forever. Once we get to eternity, it's going to be like, man, that went quick. And then we have eternity to live with each other and to fellowship with one another and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and to experience the joy and the peace and the love and the worship of heaven, it's coming quickly. So what does that mean? He's returning sooner than we think. We ought to live in light of his return. Not only is he returning sooner than you think, but letter B, his return will solidify your testimony. Look at verse number 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. And once Jesus Christ comes and the, and the child of God is called home, once we're in eternity, as he told Peter, what you loose on earth stays loose in heaven. And what you bind in earth is bound in heaven. Everything that we do in this life will be solidified and sealed for what we've done on earth. Once Christ calls us home, our work on earth is done. And what's done is done. The books will be written and sealed. Whoever you give the gospel to will be done. Whoever you didn't give the gospel to will be done. Whatever we do in this body and in this flesh will be solidified. It will be sealed for eternity. So may I just remind us to live in light of eternity. 
because what's done is done. How many of you love video games? Who loves video games? All right. How many of you don't like video games? Amen. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm not a big video game person. My kids, don't me, <laughs> pastor. I'm not a big video game guy, although I played, uh, when I was a kid, I played Super Mario. Amen. Amen. I'm a millennial, so I played Super Mario. And uh, Did you play Super Mario? Yeah, I thought you liked Zelda or something like that. Amen. He's a hippie. So anyway, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, and you know, when you're, how many of you are growing up, your parents told you, you know, man, life has no reset buttons. How many parents said that to your kids? Uh, your life isn't like this game. There's no reset buttons. Come on, you've said that to your kids. Life has no reset buttons. There is no start over. We have one life to live. It will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. We don't believe in karma. We don't believe in reincarnation. Why don't we believe those things? Because the Bible doesn't teach those things. The Bible says that when it's appointed unto man once to die, not twice, not three times, not 50 times, you don't come back as a cockroach or a cow or whatever. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We have one life, one life to live. We get one lap around the track. You might as well live it for the Lord, amen? And do the best you can. Some people, like the heathen, will say, where is the sign of his coming? Actually, there's a book that was written. I don't remember the name of the book. I'll get it for you if, I, if you want it. But there was a book that was written by a man. And the whole premise of the book was the world, and it was written by a non-believer, was the world after the rapture. The non-believer, this non-believer wrote an entire novel on what the world would be like after the rapture. It's about this family and this lady uh, who joins a cult after the rapture of the people who, 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 who missed the rapture. They realize and just, you understand that the world is so confused and they don't understand all this stuff. And, and, and you understand tonight that the heathen says, where is the sign of his coming? But we as Christians know that he's returning soon. We know that. I'm not a doomsday person. You know that. And, and I would never say it's going to be in my lifetime. I would never say that because the Bible says it's foolish to do those things. Harold Camping sold a lot of books uh, for October, the whatever, 2011, whatever it was, or May, whatever it was, March. I don't know how many he said so many, but he was wrong every time. We don't, we don't set dates. We don't know when he's coming exactly, but we know he is. So let's live in the light of his coming. Let me give you number two here. We see the warning, not only to live in the light of his return, but also a warning to live for his reward. The second time he says, behold, I come quickly is verse 12. Look at verse 12. It says, and behold, I come quickly. And my what? My reward is with me. Now, that ought to be an encouraging, an encouraging verse right there. I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according to his work shall be. I am the Alpha, that is beginning without beginning. I am the Omega, that is the end without end. I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, and they that uh, uh, may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates of the city. He's coming quickly, and his reward is with us according to what our work shall be. How many of you in your house somewhere, maybe it's in your attic, maybe it's in a storage unit, maybe your mother has it, but it's a box of trophies. Anybody? Raise your hand if you have a box of trophies somewhere or ribbons. You know, those blue, red, white ribbons you get at school. Anybody here do the Presidential Physical Fitness Award? Back in public school, I did that. I did that. I got, I got the highest one, Brother Rob, just so you know. I used to be very physically fit. 
I used to be able to run the mile in under six minutes. I can't run the mile in under 60 minutes now. <laughs> but I remember doing the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. I remember eighth grade graduation. I was so proud of that award. I was the only kid in the school that got it. I don't remember if it was presidential or national, whatever. What I just remember Bill Clinton signed my thing. I got that, I got that award. I was so excited about it. I, got, I went up there and I got that award and, and, and I don't even know where that award is now. You have it, mom? Okay, good. <laughs> we all have those box of trophies. Maybe a little soccer trophy or, and now it's in a box and it's sitting in an attic collecting dust. That's how all earthly rewards end up in a box, and then eventually in the trash. How many understand what I'm talking about? That doesn't mean we don't try on earth. Listen, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we don't do our excellent, do our best, and earn rewards. I'm not saying that. Please don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is, is all the earth rewards we earn are going in the trash. But when Jesus returns, he's bringing rewards that will last for eternity. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? That everything you do for Christ will last did you understand or do you know tonight that you have the privilege of earning eternal rewards? Take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verse 8 through 11. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Wherefore we what? We labor. We labor that whether we be present or absent, we may be what? Accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are manifest to your conscience. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. And he's telling them, listen, whether we're absent or whether we're present, we labor to be accepted of the Lord. You understand that the books will be open and will be judged according to those books. Now, we won't have to uh, give an account for our sin. And how many are grateful for that? Because our sin was paid for on the cross. But well, the things that we do, we're going to be judged for. And, and, and uh, I think about, uh, I think about uh, the judgment seat of Christ as, as we stand before him and we don't want to stand before him empty-handed and be ashamed of our life. Our sin is paid for, yes, but too much is given. To whom much is given, much is what? Required. And I can just imagine standing before him someday and the trophies that the rewards that he brings with him, I will have the opportunity to give them back to Christ. Yes, we do our best on earth, and I think you ought to win the best employee of the month. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. Christians ought to be the hardest working people. Yes, I think, kids, you ought to win the presidential or whatever, uh, the ACE, <laughs> whatever physical fitness. You ought to work at those things. But, but listen, we ought to spend our life looking for his reward. Let me give you number three tonight. So we see the warnings here. Behold, I come quickly. We ought to live for his return. We ought to live for his reward. And then number three tonight, a warning to look, to look for his return. Take your Bibles and go back to Revelation chapter 22 and look at verse 20. Revelation chapter 22, look at verse 20 with me. He which testifieth these things saith, what? Surely I come quickly. For the third time in this chapter, surely I come quickly, amen. 
Even so come, Lord Jesus. As John pens this phrase, these last two verses, think about, think about the privilege that John had to write the last two verses of the Bible. What, a, what an amazing privilege. He writes these verses and he says, Even so come, Lord Jesus. As John pens these last phrases here, he writes, Surely I come quickly. He responds, Amen, I agree. Even so come. It is no doubt that the signs of the times are everywhere. It is no doubt that Christ's return is more evident today than it was 2,000 years ago when John penned these words. Christ is coming, and he's coming quickly. I remember when I was a teenager and I was working with my dad, and we worked construction together. And when you work in construction, you use the porta potty. That's what you have to use. They don't have indoor plumbing. And I remember being a teenager and learning quite a bit of life's lessons from what was written on the walls in a porta potty. And I remember I was, went, went in there one time and, and uh, somebody had scratched or scrawled on the side of the inside of the porta potty. And it said something along the lines of, Where's Jesus? Why hasn't he come? Or he's never going to come, or something like that. And I remember thinking as a teenager, that's pretty sad. If you're going to write something in a porta potty, why would you write that? <laughs> Jesus isn't returning. I can't remember exactly what it said, but something along those lines. The next day I came back in the porta potty and was scratched out with a black marker. And it was that verse that said, you know, God is not cut slack concerning his promises. Somebody wrote that in. I don't know who that was who wrote that in a black marker. Maybe a Christian on the job site. I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't my dad who defaced a porta potty. But anyway, <laughs> may I just remind us tonight that God is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness. And we might think to ourselves, well... I mean, well, we'll just see what happens, or, or we have this attitude, this lackadaisical attitude. Well, we'll just live our life, eat, drink, and be merry, and, and we'll just live how we want to live and just do kind of what we want to do. And I mean, he hasn't come in 2,000 years. What's, what's the big deal? And, and may I just say that he says, behold, I come quickly. We need to look for his return. We need to be looking for his return. Christ is coming. He's coming back. And when he comes, he's coming quickly. We know that we should be looking for his return. But what does that mean? What does it mean practically in our lives? Teenagers, what does that mean for you? Adults, young adults, married couples. What does it mean, single folks, what does it mean for us practically to look for his return? Are we supposed to stand outside and hold our arms up? Are we supposed to move to the mountains, put on tinfoil hats and wait for him to return? What are we supposed to do? What does that look like? Let me give you three thoughts and then I'll close. Three thoughts on being on looking for his return. Number one, we must be ready to travel. We must be ready to travel. Have you ever gone on a trip and on your way away from the house, you, 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 you look at your wife or maybe you look at your kids and say, oh, we forgot something. Has that ever happened to you? What did we forget? And then you get to the, you know, you get to the, 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 the airport there and, oh, I forgot the tickets sitting on the counter, you know? <laughs> Or maybe you forgot a child somewhere. <laughs> but you have that feeling in your heart, like, what did I forget? I, I must have forgot something. And maybe it was your tickets, maybe it was your luggage, something like that. May I just say that as Christians, we ought to live ready to travel. We ought to live ready to travel. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Job said, naked came I into the world, and naked I'm leaving. 
In other words, he recognized that he didn't bring anything in. He's not taking anything out. We're not going to take a stitch of clothing. We're not going to take a single dime. We're not going to take a single reward. We're not going to take our bank accounts. We're not going to take anything with us. When we leave, that's it. It's just us. We're going. But there's one thing that we will need, and that's our tickets. Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter number 2. Real quick, Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 3. Well, let's look at verse 1. Let's start up there. Therefore, verse two, chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if, by, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just and recompense reward. I don't think there's a better two verses that describe Revelation. Look at verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. How shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You see, I'm not taking anything with me to heaven and neither are you. But I, there's one thing that I need to make sure I'm saved. Make sure you're saved and you're ready to travel. If you're a young person growing up in a Christian home, it's not about your parents it's not about their religion or their, what they believe or the fact that we're Baptist or the fact that we're this church or whatever. The most important thing is knowing for sure that heaven's your home, that you've got your ticket stamped. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's many simple verses. Uh, I think about Acts chapter number 8 where the, Philip was walking with the Ethiopian eunuch and, uh, and, and Philip was able to preach Jesus unto him as the eunuch was reading Isaiah. And they were coming along in the chariot and they came across some water. It might have been a river or a pond. And the eunuch says to Philip, he said, Oh, look, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And what did Philip say? If thou believest, thou mayest. And the eunuch said, I believe Jesus Christ with my heart. And they said, the Bible said they both went down into the water and he was baptized. Salvation is not complicated. Amen. It's not complicated. But we just need to make sure that we're saved. Make sure you're ready to travel. Secondly, that's what it means to look for his return. Make sure you're ready. Make sure your heart is ready. And then secondly, we must redeem the time. Go to Ephesians chapter number five. I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter number 5, look at verse 14. The Bible says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What is the next phrase? Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. How many recognize that our day is evil? We live in an evil day. So what do we do? Do we crawl into a little hole? And wait for his return? No, we redeem the time. Redeem means to buy back. In other words, we spend as much time as we can serving the Lord, doing as much as we can, redeeming the time. We need to spend every day like it was Jesus was coming back. Do you make decisions in your life as if Christ was returning? Do you keep your roots shallow? Do you live like a pilgrim and a stranger? Are you strategic about the return of Christ? This is what it means to redeem the time. I'm not saying we don't buy homes. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying any of those things. You know what I'm saying. What it means is, are we making decisions and strategic about the return of Christ? Don't forget, Jesus says three times, Behold, I come quickly. Do you believe that? Say, Pastor, 
<laughs> I don't know about all this. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. We don't believe in this. We don't believe in setting dates. But what if Jesus was coming back next week? What if we had a week? One week. To live one more week. Would we live it differently? Would we choose to do things differently? Would it be largely the same? You say, Pastor, but he's not coming next week. Behold, I come quickly. Pastor, we don't know if he's going to come back soon. Behold, I come quickly. Also, may I just remind us that we don't, we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know how long we're going to get to live. And so may we live in the light of his return. May we redeem the time. Lastly tonight, we must reach tirelessly. Last verse and I'll close. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. Oh, we already read these verses. I'm sorry. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must reach tirelessly. For we what? Persuade men. We're supposed to persuade men. We're made manifest unto God and trust also manifest in your conscience. Paul lived his life persuading men. Why? Because they know, he knew the terror of the Lord. I'll close with this illustration. I think about these wildfires around us. It's incredible what's happening in our state. And we need to be praying for folks. Amen? And in Oregon and these other countries, and I've heard people have been arrested, and they should be arrested. But we understand all these things. We understand the lightnings, and we understand all of the, all the things that are happening. And, and, and these fires, they move quickly. Our friends that live up in, in Medford and friends that live up in Auburn, these areas, the shift of the wind, and all of a sudden they could have to evacuate their homes. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the anxiety. We were talking with the Skaggs today. They live in Tracy. And how during that time when they, they could actually see the glow of the flames, and at any moment they could have said, all right, evacuate this section or this, this, this part of the state. And you have to be on high alert, and you have to be ready to evacuate. Imagine with me that there was a wildfire, and it was coming quickly, burning hot and quick. And imagine with me that there was a group of people stuck in an area. I wrote this message before what happened recently. Those people that were stuck in Mammoth Lake. Remember the story? And all these people are surrounded by the fire, and they're telling them, jump in the water if you have to. But imagine with me that there was a fire coming, and there was a group of people stuck in an area, and the only way to get them out was with a four-wheel drive truck. And you had a four-wheel drive truck. What would you do? Would you sit around and think, well... I'm pretty busy today. Maybe tomorrow I'll help them. Would you think, no, that's too much gas. I can't afford to drive and help people. Would you think, well, maybe somebody else will have a four-wheel drive truck. Surely they will go and help them. Or would you say, I'll drive as fast as I can. And with as many trips as I can, I'll pick up as many as I can. The fire of hell is infinitely more, infinitely more devastating than any earthly fire. The fire of hell is never quenched and it burns hot today. And it will not burn just today or tomorrow, but for a million years, and then a million more. And there are millions of people around this world and thousands in our community around us today that are like those people. They need somebody to help them. And Christians today, we can make excuses. Well, maybe tomorrow. Well, maybe somebody else will do it. I don't have enough time. And we can make these excuses, and I've made them. And I've made the excuses. But living in light of his return, looking for his return, is recognizing that there are people all around us that need the gospel. And we must reach tirelessly. You may not go to a mission field, 
but your neighbor across the street needs you. Somebody say amen tonight. Your neighbor across the street needs you. We have those flyers. You can take a flyer over there or invite them to a Christmas thing or whatever. But do your best to rescue them, and I need to do my best to rescue those around us. Sometimes I think that I forget about hell. Living, looking for his return, is remembering that there's a hell. We don't have time to mess around. I said, we don't have time to mess around. How many understand what I'm saying tonight? We don't have time. We only have a short time. So my challenge to you at the end of this series is really just one last thought. Join God's rescue team. Amen? Join God's... You say, Pastor, I don't know if I can do that. Just join the rescue team. Take tracks out. Take flyers out. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to the person in line. Go across the street. Put a flyer on the door. Do your best. Reach as many as you can. Join, join God's rescue team. Why? Because Jesus said three times, Behold, I come quickly. So let's live for his return. Let's live for his reward. And let's look for his return. Let's pray together tonight. Father.